Welcome to the Live Well podcast, hosted by the Healthy Campus team of Wellness Services. Hi, my name is Jessie Bach, and I'm filling in for Liv Taylor. I'm a fourth-year journalism student here at MRU, and I'm also the podcast producer with the Healthy Campus team. I want to acknowledge that we are on Treaty 7 land, and we are excited that you guys are here with us today. The LiveWell podcast is a series focused on the voices and experiences of our students, staff, and faculty here at MRU. We intend this series to be conversation-based, informal, and all about the experiences and insights of our Mount Royal community. I am joined today by Lindsay Barnes and Julia Rand to discuss healthy relationships and how they are forged and maintained. Thank you guys for joining me today. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for letting us come in here. So, Julia, can you start by telling us your pronouns and a little bit about the Stepping Up program you work with? My name is Julia Rand. My pronouns are she, her. The Stepping Up program is a program that is geared towards helping students and staff and really everyone in the Mount Royal community to have a sense of what healthy relationships look like. It sounds pretty simple, but a lot of people still have a lot of questions in this area. So we are looking to prevent relationship violence and promote healthy relationships. Awesome. And Lindsay, can you tell us your pronouns and explain how you work with healthy relationships? I'm Lindsay. My pronouns are she, her. A lot of the the work that I've started to do was actually with stepping up. Um, This was kind of the first avenue that I had to be involved in the community and to actually be able to work with the student body and talk to other people around here about what any of these things mean and being able to work with other students to help educate each other. So that's kind of, I've known a lot of theoretical understanding and I've had my own personal experience with relationships, but I've never actually been able to do community work for this sort of thing. So I have a statistic here from MRU, and it says one in four MRU students polled in the National College Health Assessment reported being in an intimate relationship that was emotionally, physically, or sexually abusive. Of those students, one in two reported having problems or challenges with intimate relationships, with 65% saying that these issues caused them moderate or high distress. But all relationships, regardless of their length, sexual orientation, platonic or romantic nature, can have unhealthy dynamics. Not to mention, we start seeing relationship dynamics play out in childhood and start learning how to treat each other without evaluating if it's the most cohesive way to build and maintain a healthy relationship. So, Lindsay, let's start with you. How can you tell if you're in a healthy relationship? I think probably one of the main factors you'd want to look for is if you're happy. Do you look forward to being around that person? And is it is it something that is taking energy away from you or not? Ideally, a healthy relationship where you're supporting each other should lift each other up. If you have one partner that is emotionally drained all the time, then there's some kind of imbalance and something not going right there. And what might be some red flags that you're not in a healthy relationship? Uh, I guess the opposite of you're you're unhappy, <laughs> which isn't always easy to to tell because sometimes you might you might not enjoy something that could be a, a workable problem between the two of you as opposed to something that's causing you harm. So it can be a little bit tough to tell. Yeah, a, a big red flag would be just to look for: Are you 
having a hard time and you're not sure why potentially. It's it's, it's specific to the individual, but if, if something doesn't feel right, your gut's usually they know. You kind of tend to inherently know if something just isn't quite right. So that's usually the first sign to kind of investigate a little bit further. And Julia, what do you think? Are there any other red flags in relationships, maybe early on, maybe late on? I think, just going off what Lindsay was saying, red flags aren't always really, really obvious. They're things that you feel within yourself. And and I think a lot of us kind of unlearn how to listen to those. And so when we're involved in programs like stepping up or group work or those sorts of things, I think it helps us kind of practice to relearn paying attention to that kind of stuff, like paying attention to those internal red flags that that might not be as obvious. I think Lindsay's exactly right when she says they're not always obvious. And what has the program taught you about building and maintaining healthy relationships? A lot of the biggest takeaways were having examples in specific situations of what something might look like and having people be able to talk about what situation they were in and why it didn't feel right. Because I think a lot of the times you almost need a, a justification for feeling off about something. So if you're able to talk to somebody else and get to know that they felt the same way in a similar kind of moment, then it gives you a chance to learn a little bit about what maybe you should look into it a little bit more. So there, it was it is good to get to know other people's experiences and life experiences and talking to people of different genders and different sexual identities and different expressions and just see how they experience life and how they experience their relationships. Do you feel like since working with this program, it's changed the way you communicate with your partner or potential partner? I think it would, yeah. I think the awareness of knowing that there's so much more complexity to how communication works and how people interact gives you a chance to kind of step up your game a little bit. uh, And it gives you a a bit of a a framework to go off of. So you've got a little bit of a checklist of, you know, here's a couple of things maybe I should check into before I get into a relationship with somebody, or here's some things that are real bad and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Relationships seem to be the thing in life that no one really teaches you how to navigate. When you're a kid, you learn the golden rule to treat others the way you want to be treated. But other than that, we're mostly left to figure it out on our own. And as we grow up, relationships only seem to get more complicated. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, it is common that adolescents start dating as early as 12 years old, although it's probably not the kind of dating you're thinking of. Think more along the lines of sitting with someone special at lunch or hanging out at recess. And of course, these ages change when adolescents have different cultural or religious dating practices. As a university student, I'm surrounded by people at all stages of their dating life. Some people are married, whereas some have never been on a date. Some have kids, and some seem to be dating veterans. There are so many different ways that people are taught to think about dating. It's no wonder things get lost in translation. So, Julia, does the idea of good and bad relationship behavior change as we age? Oh, that's a really good question. I think being in a healthy relationship is something that we all deserve, and a healthy relationship is something that involves respect for one another, 
and respect for the relationship itself. And I, I don't think that changes. I think that's something that we learn to navigate and experience from the time that we're in kindergarten all the way through. So I think there are maybe different elements of uh, relationships that, that come into play throughout the lifespan. But I think the basics of being in a healthy relationship that is respectful and loving and supportive, mm-hmm. I think those are mainstays. And Lindsay, how can we forge our own path in the dating world where everyone else is at these different stages all around us and, you know, feel comfortable and secure with our choices? Oh boy, uh, that's so difficult because every, I mean, every relationship's different and every experience is different. And I mean, you have, if you're entering the dating world for the first time at 20 or 30, or maybe you've been on a hiatus from dating, it changes the dynamic so much. Like I've, I've been, you know, single for quite a while and going into the dating world right now, it feels like has a lot more strategy. And now being in a place where I'm more educated and I understand how these things work a little bit better, it gives people an opportunity to make more informed decisions. And I think it's a lot harder when you're younger and you don't have any of that information. It's not like our schools teach us how to do healthy relationships, which is something that is extremely frustrating. Um, So the best that we can hope for is, did our parents maybe talk to us? Do we have maybe one example of a friend that's got a good, solid relationship? And just kind of hope for the best. And then have programs like this, I think, in any level of school, I think they should start a lot earlier. But having something like stepping up where people can talk to each other and learn is really, really important. What would you say has had the most impact on your personal growth when it comes to relationships? And when I talk about relationships, I can mean like friendships or family relationships as well, because that's all dealing with other people. I think actually the the conversation around consent has been one of the really impactful ones. And it's something that's so taken for granted that especially this generation tends to have a little bit more exposure to and understand. Um, I'm a little bit older than the average student kind of body, and we didn't really talk about it. Well, we barely had sex ed, so we didn't really talk about it. And even even talking about it in the understanding of, you know, yes is yes, no is no, was fairly simplified. And being exposed to how that applies to being a child and asking consent for a hug or asking consent for any physical touch when you're a kid is something that was really impactful because that's a way to interact with family members that I know. You know, I'm not going to force my nephew to give me a hug if he doesn't want to because sometimes they just don't and that's fine. And I think that was a really really good conversation that I think more people need to be exposed to, especially teaching kids starting very young that their their body's their own and that's it. There's no there's nothing else to that. Julia, same question. What has had the most impact on your personal growth when it comes to relationships? Well I don't want to copy everything that Lindsay said, <laughs> but that was a pretty that was a pretty good answer. I think maybe just piggybacking on what you said. Yeah, like we have sex ed in school. And so that sort of teaches the mechanics, you know, but it doesn't teach or as from what I remember anyways, you you don't learn about relationship dynamics. You don't learn so much about consent and implied consent and enthusiastic consent. 
and and how important it is to make sure that consent is something that you have before you proceed with whatever. And that can be, it doesn't always have to be in a sexual way. It doesn't always have to be in a romantic way. It can be like Lizzie and I were talking about before, where, where you're consenting to make your time available. So, or you're consenting to, like you were saying, a hug if you're a little kid. I mean, I have a couple of kids and I'm teaching them right from the get-go that we we need to get consent when it comes to anything like, like hugging or if we want to play with somebody or all those all those sorts of interactions it always has to be consensual. What would we consider good relationship practices? I think it goes back to respect because you things like consent come about when you have respect for your partner or for whoever it is that you're engaging with. Yeah, everything comes down to respect for self and others. And Lindsay, what would you say are some good relationship practices? Communication is probably a fairly stereotypical answer, but it's super important. And I think remembering that we can talk to each other about how we communicate and what is the best way to communicate for each person. Um, Like, for example, I had a partner where they wanted to communicate instantly and in the moment and in the heat of it, and that was great. And I would panic and cry in a corner for, you know, like an hour or something like that. So it's figuring out, you know, do we need to take a little time? Do you do you prefer to write out what you want to say beforehand so that you can get your thoughts clear before you say something that you regret? And I think we forget that it's okay to have different ways to talk to each other and it's okay to say what you need and how you need to, to approach this so that everyone can kind of get on the same page. Yeah, I like what you said about really being able to communicate those boundaries ahead of time before it gets to that like boiling point of a fight or a disagreement or conflict where you know how your partner's going to react. How can we use these good relationship practices to be kinder to ourselves? Mm. I think some of the best advice I ever got was, especially if you're a person that maybe deals with a little bit of low self-esteem or confidence struggles, is if you learn to communicate with yourself the way you would communicate with a partner that you really, really, really liked, then you're going to be happier for it. You know, assuming you're in a healthy, communicative relationship, you're never going to put down your partner and call them names or call them stupid or say they're awful. But we do that to ourselves constantly. So being able to use the tools that we would have to communicate to a partner and trying to apply it to yourself even a little bit can make a lot of difference in your own well-being and your own health. I think it's respecting our own boundaries. Understanding that we all have boundaries and, you know, if, if I really don't want to do something, I'm not going to push myself to do it just because so-and-so wants me to. If I'm just, if I'm depleted, I don't have anything left in the tank, then I'm going to respect that. And so I, I think it's important to have a respectful relationship with yourself and uh, practice that with others as well. Yeah. Personal growth often comes from reflecting on, you know, the past and maybe how we've treated ourselves and how we've treated others. When it comes to the lessons you've learned about relationships, what are some behaviors you'd like to leave behind? And what would you like to try and practice more of? I can't, I can't think of anything. It's because we're perfect. (laughs) (laughs) What would I like to leave behind? I think I would like to better manage expectations. So, um, so I'm all excited because we're like my partner and I are going on a date, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work out. I want to be more accepting that sometimes things don't work out, 
And uh, yeah, I think that's something that I want to work on. I like to be right a lot. Ooh, that's a good one. So there's not too much more that really needs to go with that, but it's learning how to accept that sometimes you're not always right. And it might not happen often, but it's okay uh, what it does. So And being able to show appreciation to the other person that's on the other end and, you know, show them a little bit of love for teaching you something new or teaching you that maybe your behavior was a little bit questionable in that moment or something like that. So I think that would be a good practice. I think, can I, can I jump in? I, I would like to be better at apologizing. <laughs> I do not like apologizing. It is not my favorite, but I have to do it. And so I would like to get better at that. Yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tough. See, I really resonate with the being right. And I know over my own relationships, I've definitely had to decide if, do I want to be right at the end of this? Or do I want to reach an understanding with my partner? And that's something that sometimes you have to give up one to have the other. Yeah, it's not always about winning, even though it feels really nice. But there's other, op- you know, times where you can win in a healthy way or you can win as a team together or, you know, it doesn't have to be you yeah. having your, your ego. Or maybe you can change the dynamic instead of having a win-lose. Like maybe you can just rewrite the rules and what, like that. And say, this is, the, this is not how our, I want our relationship to be and how do we make it so that, you know, that's not our that's not our playbook. Yeah, if I had to pick a thing that, you know, I'd want to leave behind, I think being hypercritical of others and how they do things. Especially as relationships advance and people start moving in together in the same space and not everyone does things the way you do things and you got to let that go. <laughs> Sometimes they leave their half full coffee cup all over the place. Sometimes they do. And are you going to decide to let that really, really bother you? Or are you going to decide to just, you know, this is just, this is just part of being in this relationship? Oh, right as you said that, all the hair stood up on the back of my neck. <laughs> I still have yep. work to do. <laughs> um, so what are some behaviors you'd like to try and practice more of and you'd like to, you know, take with you and share in your future relationships? I think, well, kind of repeating a little bit, but practicing apologizing and doing it before someone says that you probably should do it is being a little bit more self-aware of where you've misstepped and taking accountability for that right away. Because that's just, it's such a nice way to show love when you're like, I did a wrong thing and I hate that I did a wrong thing and I hate admitting it, but I'm going to do that for you. And here's a cookie. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it feels so terrible to be wrong, but it's, but on the flip side, when you, when you kind of put yourself out there and do that, there's so much that can come of that, I, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And what about you, Julia? What would you like to practice more of and take into the future? I don't, I don't want to keep saying, you know, I, I want to apologize. But it, but it is so hard to be wrong, and it's so hard to admit when you're wrong. So I... I want to set an example for my own relationship and for my kids that, you know, being wrong is not the worst thing and we all make mistakes. And we have a kids show that they watch that's where they say it's okay to make mistakes. (laughs) So I think um, I'd like to carry that into for the rest of my life, really. It's not not terrible, terrible advice. I think a lot of the best advice that you get and the best way to live is kind of what you learn in kindergarten. Mm Mm-hmm for sure. For myself, I think I definitely 
do better practicing more gratitude, especially when it's linked with that critical thing of maybe it's not the way I would do it, but they're doing it. And, you know, I'm going to appreciate them for having consideration, for putting forth effort, and for trying to show me they love me, even if not, it might not be exactly the way I would do it. <laughs> but, it's a, but it's a different way and different, different is good. Different is good. So that's our time for today. So special thanks to Lindsay and Julia for joining us today on our discussion about healthy relationships. You've been listening to the Live Well podcast. Thanks for tuning in. For resources about healthy relationships, feel free to check out the links in the episode bio. Or if you're interested in learning more about healthy relationships or violence prevention, apply to be a peer facilitator with the Stepping Up program. The Live Well podcast is run by the Healthy Campus team at Mount Royal University. You can find us online at livewell.buzzsprout.com. We are also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This series is produced by me, Jesse Bach, with support from the Community Podcast Initiative. Thanks to artist Scott Holmes for our theme. The song is called Feeling Sunny. I'm Jesse Bach. Thanks for listening.